Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Drop Step podcast. Today, I am joined by, quite frankly, a massive guest. I'm sure you've seen him on YouTube. I'm sure you may well listen to one of the many podcasts that he's already recorded today. I'm joined by Frank Michael Smith, and we're going to be discussing NBA awards. We're going to take you from MVP to sixth man to defensive player of the year, hit all the basis. And honestly, I don't think there's anyone I'd rather be doing it with than Frank Michael Smith. Frank, how are you doing today, man? Energized? Jack, I'm excellent, man. That is a very gracious intro. I appreciate you and I'm pumped to be here. Nice. The key with intros is you want to kiss up enough that the guy agrees to come back. So absolutely. <laughs> gracious is the name of the game, I think. So like I said, really simple. We are just going to do our preseason award predictions. Who knows? Maybe at the end of the year, we'll look back, get Frank back on, go through our predictions and say, oh my God, how wrong were we? I hope barely anyone listens to that podcast. But today we are know-it-alls, we are savants, we are psychics, and we are starting off with the biggest award of them all, the most important, the most contentious. It's the MVP award. And Frank, uh, always a topic of a lot of debate always great for content uh just to make it clear some of the favorites at the start of the year Nikola Jokic after arguably being robbed last year is at plus 400 he is the favorite this year Luca and Giannis are at 500 and 550 respectively Joel Embiid follows at plus 700 and Jason Tatum is at plus 900 I'm going to jump straight in what is your prediction for the MP MVP award, Frank? Who do you fancy this year? You know, Jack, I don't want to be too boring here. So I want to give you two. Can I give you who I think will win? And can I give you a dark horse? Absolutely. I think that's the best way to go. Okay, great. I really, really think that Jokic is going to win. Um, I think he's the best player in the world. Mm -hmm. I think everyone else knows he's the best player in the world. It just wasn't very exciting to vote for him last season. It, it it's just hard to win this award three times in a row, man. It's really, really, really tough. And there is voter fatigue. And I think if you were to ask everybody that voted who was the better player, they would have said Jokic. Just maybe didn't have the best season. So knowing that all the voters probably think he's the best player in the world, and you know, I don't there's no reason that he's given us on the court not to believe that. I love it. It's a boring bet, like you mentioned, plus 400, but it's the best bet for me. Number two would actually go Giannis. I wouldn't go with Embiid. I would go with Giannis at number two, okay. which is also very boring. My dark horse for you, 
This one is like, this one is going to get everyone in OKC so happy. Wow. I really think Shea has a chance. He is a special, he's a special scorer, man. He's, he's gotten better every single year we've seen him. I think this this team has a chance to be good this year. I clown the Thunder a lot because I hate tanking. Um, but there's no denying, man. They got a lot of talent in this roster. And they're not quite young enough right now where they're like, oh, okay, are they figuring some stuff out? Like, no, man, they're they're getting to their primes where they're gonna sign these big contracts and you know, really make some pushes at the playoffs. He's gonna score 30 points in a lot of these games. If you can score 30 points and your team can be like a six seed. You got to be in the conversation. So I don't know his odds. I don't have his odds up right now, but I assume they're very attractive. Yeah, I'm sure he is a lot of people's dark horse bet, particularly after his showing out at the FIBA World Cup. Um, I I love Shea. I think he's probably got the most diverse shot chart in the league. You would have no idea that he was a point guard that broke guys down off the dribble from looking at that. He is Mr. Floater. He gets to the rim. He's not necessarily reliant on his threes, but just as deep a bag as anyone in the NBA. And I really like that shout. As far as Jokic goes, yeah, I think it's his award to lose. Frank, what's the lowest stat line that Jokic could put out this year and still win the award? Because I think there's going to be so much regret in the minds of so many voters that he could honestly, you know, drop down to, I think he was 24 points per game last year. If he gives us a nice solid 20, 12 and 8, you're still going to get a lot of people going, well, on a night-to-night basis, he does what he needs to do for the team. This is the definition of value. It really is his award to to lose, right? Oh, I mean, he's just got to play basketball. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. his game is so effortless. He's just got to be out there. He's got to suit up for the games. I mean, you can say this for any of the guys in the list, but barring injury, it's his award to lose, man. I mean, it's. I think it's less about the points and more about the assists. If he can put up like nine, eight or nine assists, I mean, lock it up. He he. It's like, you know, back in the days when like Steve Nash won two of these awards, he's not putting up like thirty points. He yep. had a ton of assists. Voters love that. Sorry, I just cut out there, man. We can edit that out anyway. But yeah, Jokic, absolutely one of the prime favourites. You said that you think Shea is going to be putting up 30 points a game on a sixth seed this year. I'm going to throw you my MVP pick. I I tried to steer away from Jokic because I think it is probably the guy that's the favourite. But this is finally the year, in my opinion, that Luka Doncic brings home his first MVP award. 33, 8 and 8 last year, somehow missed the play-in with the Mavs. I think that was an intentional decision by the end of the year. But this is the most talented roster he's ever had around him. He's got Kyrie in the backcourt that can make sure that the Mavs don't sink massively when Luka comes off the court. They've brought in really skilled role players like Grant Williams, like uh, even Rashawn Holmes from the centre position, a guy that possesses a lovely little push shot. I think that uh, Luca is going to be in great shape. We've all seen the workout videos. It's co- it's probably as common as the Ben Simmons ready for the season workout video at this point. But I really believe the hype. I think that it's a pretty idealized roster around him. And I think that the Mavs are actually dark horses this year for, I'd say, probably home court advantage. Um, that West is just a little bit 
of a mess in terms of I think there's 11 teams that really expect to make the playoffs and only 10 can make the play-in, only eight can make the playoffs. So someone is going to get clowned on social media. But for my money this year, I'm going to back Luca. And uh, like I said, we'll join back up at the end of the year and we'll go which itch won the MVP this year. What are your thoughts on Luca? <laughs> which itch? I like that. Um, it's pretty amazing that they're all international born players up here on the top of the list. I mean, if I'm looking at the top five, I think Tatum is the only one that's that's really not. I think he's the only American in the top five. It's, it's incredible. Um, look, I think Luca is tremendous. I have no doubt that he's going to have a big season. He does seem like he's in better shape. I just don't believe in the maps. And it, it, as much as it is not supposed to be a team award, it is a team award. Mm-hmm. You got to have, you got to, you got to be in the playoffs. You got to probably be six seed or higher. And look, I just don't believe. Like, I, I think I, I'm notoriously anti Kyrie. Um, I don't think he makes sense in the roster. I do like Rashawn Holmes. I, I think it's cool that you gave him a shout out. I, I love his tenacity. I'm, I'm a fan of his game. I don't know, man. Like, it, it's just not doing it for me. It's not doing it for me. And it's it didn't do it. It didn't do anything for anyone last season. I mean, it was just so pathetic how they flamed out. I'm I'm not convinced much has changed. I think that's fair. I think you have to believe in the rebuild that's sort of taken place under the stewardship of Nico Harrison. And like we said, you know, basketball is a debate at the end of the day. It's many different interpretations. I completely get why you would be off Kyrie at this point. I just, I don't know if it's the aesthetics. I don't know if it's the true shooting, the elite sort of like shot making ability there's just something in my gut that tells me that this is the bounce back year for the Mavs. Cause quite frankly, if it isn't, it's going to be embarrassing. If this supposed, you know, top five player in the world misses out on the playoffs two years in a row, that could uh, be a really bad look. And then we could have another player joining the superstar to be traded next summer sweepstakes. But uh, yeah, I think that sort of closes us off for MVP. So we've got Frank going for Nikola Jokic. I'm going to opt for Luca, but that dark horse shout of SGA is definitely a fun one. Any closing thoughts on MVP, man? Yeah, I just do want to put a a reminder on what you know you mentioned uh, if they don't make the playoffs. There's 10 teams that make the playoffs in the West. It's 66% mm-hmm. of the conference. You know, we're not asking a lot here. It's right. it's 10. You got to make the play-in game, man. So it's like, dude, you got to give me that. You, the fact that they didn't do that last year, I, I, I just ha- I have to put that into account. I mean, it's there's really bad teams in the playing game. You got to be at least in there. So I, I do think they will be in there, but like I said, six seed or higher, and I don't see it. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Just in terms of some more long shots, I had Dame is plus twenty three hundred. Which if he goes to the Heat, they're a one seed. That's a really compelling story. Trey Young is plus 6,000. If you really want to try and win some money under the stewardship of Quinn Snyder, could they get frisky? And I really don't think he's going to win MVP, but Tyrese Halliburton is at plus 15,000. The same odds as, get ready for this, Desmond Bain, Fred Van Vliet, CJ McCollum, and Kyle Kuzma. So if you're looking for a pure wow. value Kuzma made play, the list. I... Who knows? Some random betting company is putting it out. But what I checked before, that just jumped right off the page to me. And in fact, 
I want to jump to most improved because my most improved pick is actually Tyrese Halliburton for next year. Uh, I'm going to do my spiel. So last year, 20 and 10, 40% from three, elite efficiency. They were a 500 team, the Pacers, when Tyrese Halliburton played. So you might think, is there really that much room to grow? Post All-Star break, 24 points, 12 assists, lower turnover ratio, increased efficiency. He was doubling his attempts at the free throw line. And I think that's a sign of things to come. I think the uh, the roster is optimized around him this year. I love the additions of Obi Toppin. I like Jarris Walker coming in. I love Bruce Brown potentially running the second unit. So they're not having that massive drop off, which they were having when Ty went to the bench last year. Uh, again, pretty long odds. Uh, decent shout, in my opinion. Definitely not one of the favourites. But Frank, who did you have for most improved? Well, I want to start by saying that I'm perpetually confused by this award. I, I <laughs> yeah. think there should be some context here. Can yeah. can the NBA please let us know what this means? Is it m- like most improved? Is it supposed to be for the younger guys? Because Tyrese Halliburton's already an excellent player. I mean, like I do, I do think that judging by the way they've given this award out in the past, John Morant won the award. He was mm-hmm. excellent already. It's like, yeah, he definitely got a lot better, but like, I don't know. I, I just, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, and my pick is going to be confusing too, because it's Austin Reeves. Um, right. It's like improve from what? Because he was already really, really good in the playoffs. He was really, really good in FIBA. Um, I was so impressed by him and FIBA, mm-hmm. but where are we judging? Are we judging him by like, by like where he was on opening night last, last year. year or at the end of last year? I just don't know. But what I do, <laughs> what I do strongly believe is he's coming to play this year. And the, his, it was so obvious in FIBA that he needed to be on that court more. He was one of the players that was really going to matter. And he's the perfect guy to be next to LeBron James. I mean, we've seen this like over and over again. It is simple how to construct a team around LeBron. And I'm not saying it's easy, but it is simple. You need guys that can play defense, ideally have a little bit of size, can shoot threes. And Austin Reeves gives you one more. He's like, you know what? I'll put it on the deck and I'll play make and I'll, and I'll show up in the fourth quarter and I'll be clutch. I think he is excellent, man. So, look, I expect this Lakers team to be a lot better and for him to be a gigantic piece. Um, We all know how unselfish LeBron is. I expect Reeves to get his fair share there. Um, I love it, man. I'm all for it. I I really doubt he's one of, like, the top guys, too. Like, where is he on the betting list? Oh, I don't have that open at the moment. I took down a ton of favorites. But I I, I assume that, like, Cade Cunningham and – some of these guys like maybe Mobley like the dudes from that draft class Jalen Green I imagine it's kind of like their year like you know they're it's kind of like hey we need to see it um they'd probably be the highest I think people are probably sleeping on Reeves I want a quick disclaimer uh if Kate Cunningham wins most improved player this year then I'm never going to talk about it with friends with family with podcasts guests alike because it's essentially his second year in the NBA he played 12 games last year you should not win the most improved player award. Having had one full season in the league, it's insane. Like you said, it's the most confusing award maybe in all of sports, right? I just don't get it. And like on that same note, 
I mean, I'm sure we're going to get to rookie of the year here. I don't know if it's next or not, but I, I think a lot of people are probably going to predict um, for a certain rookie on the thunder to have a big year. And it's like, man, is he really a rookie? Like, is he? So it's like, right. Yeah. I, I think Ben Simmons did the same thing too. I mean, it's just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that Chet would be up for that award. So look, man, is it too much to ask for like two sentences on each award? Yes. Yeah, I love it. That would be so much better. I, I think that we can agree that most improved is the worst award to bet on, regardless. It's also confusing. Two yeah. sentences. I just want what two sentences. Value? Yeah, just give us a pointer. I know that we don't have official votes. Maybe one day me and you, Frank, will be casting our ballots together. Uh, just in the true spirit of most improved, my actual most improved, um, if it was how I wanted the award to be voted on, I think Markel Fultz is in for a really big year. Uh, I had Brett Usher on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and we spoke about how his shooting has actually really improved. Uh, he's a great shooter from the free throw line. His mid-range percentage has grown exponentially in the last three years. Uh, obviously, came back from injury uh, at the start of last year when the Orlando Magic had got off to a really bad start in terms of record. And then they nearly went 500 with Markel back in the team. He's a great point of attack defender. He's a really good playmaker. And I think that this is the year that the shot comes along. This is the year that he gets a full off season. The players around him are going to develop as well. Uh, Markel is my spiritual pick, if you like. I think you get what I mean there, Frank. It's pretty amazing, like, can you imagine a world in which it's like 2019 and you're looking at the Sixers and all these terrible things are happening to Markel Fultz? I mean, 2018, maybe I'm getting the year wrong. But if you were to ask someone back then, like, who would have a better chance of having a positive impact on an NBA team, Markel Fultz or Ben Simmons? Every single person is going to answer Ben Simmons. I mean, he was an all-NBA guy. Marco Fultz is on the roster and everyone's laughing at him and the joke's over. You're so right. He's a very, very talented player and he gets it done on both ends. I think that's a great pick. And again, it's probably one that you're going to get long odds on. It's probably super attractive. I have that plus 6,000 for Markel, but wow, like I said, it's very I nice. I like that. Okay. Well, there you go. If, if you come away from anything, uh, if you come away with anything from this podcast, Frank, it is a long shot bet at most improved. I just want to say quickly on Austin Reeves, Harrison Fagan was on the podcast last week, host of Silver Screen and Roll. We raved about Austin Reeves for five minutes. If you want to hear more Austin chat, having listened to Frank's very reasonable suggestion, I think that Austin is going to be at the forefront of voters' minds from the very start of the year. I think the Lakers are due to have a very strong season. Go and check out last week's episode. But I think that finishes us off with most improved. Uh, and why don't we move on to rookie of the year? Uh, you don't think Chet should be eligible. He is regardless, but this is where I'm going to be boring. I, I really think, especially because I've heard this year that you don't need to meet that 65 games played requirement. I think that this is Victor Wembanyama's award to lose. I think that they could finish bottom of the West, but he is going to show out in a way uh, that just makes it very, very close to impossible for anyone else to win. Do you agree with that, Frank? Did you have Vic or have you got... You know what? I I would love it if Wemby won this award. Um, I think it, I think everyone wins if he wins this. 
it would be great if he was just awesome. You know, it's it's very rare that we see. I don't know how old he is right now. I assume he's going to be 19, um, 18, 19. It's super rare to see one of these really, really young guys and then just be great right away. Certainly been done, but especially for someone that's his size, he's never really played American basketball before. And it sounds like a silly thing to say, but it is different. It's just different. Um, in some ways helpful. Like we've heard Luca talk a lot about how it's easier for him. So, yeah. Look, I hope that happens, but my pick is Scoot. I think Scoot is so impressive. Um, I think that it's going to be his show. It's going to get really, really weird for Dame over there in Portland. He might be there. He might be sitting. He might be traded. All I know is Scoot is the reason this situation is happening. They drafted Scoot, and they were like, you know what? This whole thing, uh, we didn't think we'd get here. It's mm-hmm. hard for me to imagine that Brandon Miller went ahead of him. Brandon Miller's a nice player. He's a nice player. He's got a ton of upside. But to put that chip on Scoot's shoulder, I mean, it's like everything you would have wanted if you're Portland. Like, wow, we get him, and now he's extra motivated. I think he is a dog. I think he's going to have a ton of reps there. I like some of their young talent. Um, you know, the Jeremy contract is weird, but really weird. It's a weird deal, but he's an effective player. I mean, I, I don't think they're just going to be some tank team. I, I'm I'm really interested by that. Uh, I love Scoot as well. Uh, I think he's got an NBA-ready body, which really helps. You know, we've seen pictures in the past. He's built a little bit like a linebacker, but he can move like Chris Paul. I love his mid-range game. Uh, I love the fact that he will have had, I think, two years' experience in the G League, just playing grown men basketball being used to those dimensions of the court being used to that overly physical nature and the other thing that's really going to help scoot along is the fact that i think he's probably going to start the year in a little bit of a hybrid lineup next to shade and sharp next to anthony simons unless he gets moved in this dame deal he's going to have a ton of spacing around him way more than he's ever had he's going to be able to dish out to players on the three-point line I'm not a big Yusuf Nurkic fan whatsoever, but he can set screens at least. And I think that Scoot is going to have a ton of space to work in. And they're definitely going to be the worst defensive team in the league, but I think that they're going to be a really fun watch. And yeah, I like the Scoot pick. I I understand it. I've got slight concerns about his injury record. He just seems to pick up one or two. Yeah, it's his shoulder, right? That was his shoulder that got hurt. Yeah, I think he's going to be okay. Um, The time I did see him, in the summer league, I was blown away. I was like, wow, this guy has really got it. He looks confident. He's sharp. He's such a fluid athlete. Like when he's going to the, to the rim and making those moves, it just looks effortless. Like you mentioned with the, with the spacing, the Nurk piece, I agree with not the biggest Nurk guy, but Nurk does have a jump shot. He's not one of these setters like Rudy Gobert. That's just going to clog the paint. If you want to have Nurk set some screens, and just say, Nurk, get out of the way. Go go stand in the corner or go go to the wing, and if you're wide open, we'll kick it to you. He He's capable of doing that. You know, it's not like he's just going to have to stay on the block and, when, you know, just drag his defender down there to meet Scoot. He, he'll get out of the way. I, I really like what's going on there. Like you mentioned, Shaden Sharp looks really, really good at the end of last season. Yeah. We, we know what a freak athlete he is. We know what a freak athlete Scoot is. Simon's a knockdown shooter. It, there's like – 
the Dame stuff is really putting like a bad taste in everyone's mouth there, but there's reasons to be excited. Absolutely. I seriously doubt this is probably a contentious opinion, but I wonder if there was an actual trade request and really, like you said, it was a bit more of a, okay, you win the PR battle, but Dame, it is time to move on. We don't think we can put a winner around you. And at least it was a mutual decision. I think all this stuff in the media that's being made out that Dame is forcing his way, the front office wanted to do everything they could to put a win around him. I, I just don't believe it. And I think that they've seen the future in their franchise point guard, their new franchise point guard, I should say. And um, some stuff happened behind the scenes that we'll probably hear in a couple of years. But yeah, definitely going to be fun watching the Trailblazers this year. Just coming back to Vic, I I think that defensively he's going to be really impactful from day one, uh, which is going to be massive for the Spurs. They can go quite big body. They can play with ends at the five, Vic at the four, or they can run Jeremy Sohan out there and play sort of switchy lineups. Uh, I don't know if you saw Vic at Summer League, Frank, but what really stood out to me was he locked down guys in the perimeter. It was just sort of jarring for people trying to take him off the bounce to the point where it's like, how much separation do I need to create to get away from a guy with an eight foot wingspan? Right. Uh, Maybe offensively, it's not going to come or it's the efficiency isn't quite going to be there. I know that his three point shot isn't quite falling yet, but just in terms of how he's going to affect the dimensions of the court, and people are actually going to want to watch Spurs games this year. Like you said, it'd be good for the league if Vic wins. I'm hoping it happens and I'm predicting it happens as well. But what did you make of Vic at Summer League? Well, first, if Vic wins, number one, it means he probably stayed healthy. So that's great. I mean, it, by all accounts, this guy takes tremendous care of his body. Have you mm-hmm. seen like what he does with his feet every time before he trains? Like he's like rolling the feet out. Like, man, that's the biggest thing for these big men. This, these foot injuries, ankle injuries, they'll crush you. It really, really seems like he gets it. Um, so, yeah, that would be the biggest win. I did watch Vic in Summer League. There was a bit of a feeling out process there. Yeah, I think that he was trying to be so much of a perimeter player and take guys off the dribble. It's like, man, I – don't think that's the smartest move. Like, call me a traditionalist, but you're seven foot five. How tall is he? Like, we may yeah. never know. Like, he's enormous, though. Like, we he's a spider. Like, it's so it's he's like an octopus. I don't know if spider might not even be big enough. Um, <laughs> you got to get closer to the rim, man. And then you saw him in his second game catch a couple closer to the rim, and he dunked one where he extended his arm. He it looked like he dunked it like halfway from the rim to the free throw line he didn't even like need to jump he just extended his arm like michael jordan space jam it was like that kind of dunk i mean it was it was it was strange man in a in a very in a fascinating way so yeah i i agree with you the defensive stuff is always going to be there how how you how you taking him off the dribble you can't do it you just can't he's too too long like he's a he's an alien um but i i do think that offensive stuff is going to come we saw him figure some things out in one game in Summer League. So what's going to happen when you give him 82? When you give him 82 with Greg Popovich as well. And they have had the creme de la creme of mentorship around Victor Wembanyama. I love that picture earlier on in the summer that came out. I think him, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu all went for dinner. And it's like, wow, they are really pulling out the red carpet for this guy. And I just want to say in terms of taking care of himself as well. Yes, the workouts are insane. 
and the most durable seven-footer we've ever had in the history of the league, or seven-foot-plus, was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, famous for loving his yoga, so very much spiritually following in the footsteps of the great big man. Um, it's going to be a fascinating run. I think that Czech could have something to say, particularly if the Thunder have more on-court success, which I think they're probably more likely to. But whoever wins it, they're going to be a really exciting player. I love Amen Thompson as well. I don't think he's going to quite get the run. I don't want to touch on the uh, Rockets point guard situation. That will just bring us down. Uh, did did Amen Thompson jump out to you at Summer League as well? Because he moves like no one I've ever seen. I, I like both the Thompson brothers. I really like both of them. Um, you know, I actually saw more of a SAR. Uh, you know, I... I can't say that I'm like super, super dialed into summer league, but this year was a little different. You know, we got Wemby and Scoot playing and, you know, you catch some of the Thompson brothers in there too. I like them both, man. Um, I think the situation in Houston's tough. I don't get that roster at all. I, I really, really am confused. I mean, I, I trust they'll figure it out because I really like the coaching hire, but I think the smartest thing they did was not sign James Harden. You know, it's like, that's the best thing they did because they they nipped all those rumors in the bud and it's like okay, but where you didn't sign them, that's great. But who's left? It's like oh, we're gonna overpay Fred Van Vliet all this money. I'm one of the biggest Fred Van Vliet fans, man. Like I I think he's an excellent basketball player. He's barely taller than me. I'm five foot eleven. He's incredible. Like to do the things he's done to be undrafted. I hate saying bad things about him, but. Dude, he's kind of past his prime now and he's making way too much money. You're going to have to play him all those minutes. I don't love that for Eamon. I, I think it's more an indication of how far back the Rockets were from everyone else. Their sort of direction from the front office or from ownership rather that they want to win this year. I think it might get them back to competent. I think that if everything breaks right, they could be a play-in team, but with how competitive that Western Conference is, don't hold your breath. I think it could take a season or two. But there is a lot of talent in Houston either way. Long-term, fans should be optimistic about the future. But, Am uh, I saying his name wrong? Is it Amen or Amen? Maybe it's an English-American thing, man. I'm I'm <laughs> Amen. You go Amen. Uh, I'm sure that one of us is going to listen to the first sort of like commentary of a Houston Rockets game this year and we'll go, ah, oh, right, cool. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns on Armin Thompson, but you you may well be right, Frank. Uh, I think that closes us off. I almost forgot what award we're talking about. We're on Rookie of the Year. So let's jump all the way over to Defensive Player of the Year. This was by far my hardest award to pick. Um, I don't know if you felt the same way, Frank, but I really, really struggled and the odds didn't help me either. So I'm actually looking for a little bit of direction for you. I've got my pick. I think it's slightly contentious, but who did you go with, man? Yeah, this one's tough. Um, they almost never give this award to guards. So we saw Marcus Smart win it, um, which I thought was strange. But it's it's really hard to take a guard here and to feel good about it. You almost have to take someone that's over like six foot seven, six foot eight. At least. Yeah, so look, there's the easy bets here where it's like, oh, Jaron Jackson won it last year, like good chance to win it again this year. He certainly mm -hmm. got a lot to prove after FIBA. Everyone trashed him for about a week there and probably deservedly so. I mean, I think it was much more about his offense. But look, he's got something to prove. Um, you got Bam, you got Giannis, you got Mobley. 
I really like Bridges though. Wow. And he's and he's not quite the guard, but I think he just fits my requirement I just gave there. You know, I, I, we yeah. might have to get the measuring stick out, but he, he's it's basically it's Draymond and up, right? I think historically, yeah, if we're I, think out Marcus I think Smart. that's fair. But so, he, yeah, he was a finalist for it a couple of years ago, right? When the Suns made their finals run, I think it was between him, Smart, and one of like your Giannis, Rudy, maybe Drew Holiday. I think it was a triumvirate of guards for once. Um, I think maybe he's got too much to do on offense, but I do love him as a defensive you, player. You know what? That is a strong argument. But I will say this. Mikhail Bridges is like, he's he's well known for being the Iron Man. He gets mm-hmm. out there and he plays every single night. And I think that should mean something to these voters. You know, it, there, there was a similar argument made for, um, I, I believe that Jeff Van Gundy made this argument on, on one of the broadcasts last year. Maybe it was on a studio show. Don't remember. But it was an argument about who is actually the scoring champion. Is it the player that averages the most points or is it the guy who's actually scored the most points? I mean, it's very logical that the latter would be the champion, but it's not. You know, I I really do think that's something to think about now that the NBA is emphasizing we want these guys to play more games. Mm -hmm. they're, They're struggling to sign their TV deals because stars are sitting out. Why well, don't make you should you should make these things matter in awards? I mean, yes, scoring champions not something you can vote on, but you know when you translate that to something like defensive player of the year right now that we're talking about, if you're going to play 82 games, man, that's got to matter. That's just it's just got to matter. So I think he takes a tremendous amount of pride in that. I think he's an excellent player. You're right; he's got a lot to do on offense. The Nets might not be a great team, but give me Mikhail. I like that. That's a good shout. And Mikael Bridges last year, do you know how many games he played during the regular season? He, he might have missed one, didn't he? He played 83 regular season oh games. Oh, my God. Well, there was maybe, that's amazing. That's actually yeah. He did one more. Like He's probably so pumped about that. I think there was a rumor that he was going to have to miss a game. Maybe he didn't end up doing it. That's why I thought that. Who knows? I think just Superman. I think he it might have been one of those where he subbed on for a minute or two, but fair play to Mikhail. You make a great point about just being available every night, and it puts my pick into a little bit of doubt. I don't think that you're going to back this, considering what you seem to value, Frank. Uh, I want to come back to the scoring uh, title debate as well, because I've got thoughts on that, and I really agree with your take. But my Defensive Player of the Year pick, after much consideration, um, it's a player that will probably miss games. Uh, he said that he wants to play 82 games in a season before. Uh, his team finally has a normal-looking roster around him. He's playing with the best player of all time, second best player of all time. I think that this is Anthony Davis's year to win Defensive Player of the Year. I think he put up such an incredibly strong showing in the playoffs last year, made that top-and-lock system against the Warriors work single-handedly almost, absolutely erased the rim against Memphis. They didn't really stand a chance without a guy like Stephen Adams down in the paint there. Uh, I I don't think he's going to have to defend a guy like Nikola Jokic every night. I think that he got a lot of unnecessary flack last year because he's not used to defending one-on-one in the post. There's probably three, four, five guys every year that he's going to play that he actually has to meet in the post and be worried about. That's not Anthony Davis's game. He eats up space he eats up the rim he's a massive presence he's a shot blocking deterrent uh i love anthony davis and i just think that with the infrastructure around him 
an actual normal regular season. Have you noticed how we're not talking about the Lakers? They're not being linked in any big trades. They just made some sensible roster moves, plus uh, plus Christian Wood. Uh, But he's got players like Jared Vanderbilt next to him. He's got Gabe Vincent in the backcourt, who's a decent point of attack defender. I think that if he stays healthy with the showing that he had in the playoffs last year, he should be at the front uh, of voters' minds. And uh, I'm really looking forward to watch LA play, not in the least because I think that AD is probably their most important player on both ends of the floor. I want to say the same thing as what I said for Rookie of the Year here. I hope it happens. That's better for basketball. I really, really want that for Anthony Davis. It's just more fun when the Lakers are good and everyone's healthy. Like you don't have to like you don't have to like the Lakers to think that. It's obvious. They're gonna be on national TV all the time. We're gonna be talking about LeBron. I, I, I he's certainly got all the tools, man. Like it, it, bar like barring injury and you know, anything else that can go wrong here, it's kind of out of his control. Probably my bad man. Like, he's just so fragile. He's just so fragile. You can't not be concerned whenever he hits the deck. He gets up limping. I mean, we saw a game last yeah. year where Benefit. he turned his ankle. He turned his ankle in the air without, like, anyone even hitting it. I mean, do you know, do you know <laughs> the game I'm talking about? I so I actually like I said I had Harrison Fabian on, on last week and we spoke about another freak injury where during either game one or game two of the playoffs he went off for about eight minutes and we thought that his playoff run was over I think he got a knock on the head or something like that and then was miraculously back on the court but yes he falls over he's in the 99th percentile for falling over during NBA games he is an incredibly talented defender probably the best defender in the league when healthy. So look, man, I hope it happens. Uh, I'm all for AD winning that. And if you wanted AD uh, from a betting perspective, plus 1000, or if you're based in the UK, that is 10 to one. So I think that's decent. Maybe never bet on Anthony Davis considering his track record health wise. But uh, I think we've closed off some of the big awards. I just want to say on that score in front, absolutely change it to most points in a season, most points scored. This is not like the days where players maybe missed one, two, three games during the regular season and you had to average it out. I don't want someone playing, I think the minimum last year was somewhere around the 60 game mark where they could qualify for um, the scoring title. I don't want that. And um, I think if it had changed a few years ago, the Trey Young discourse might be very different because that guy's always available and always putting up a ton of points. It'd be interesting to look back at the revisionist awards if we decided to do it the other that way. That, I, that's, I, I might have to tweet that out. That's really interesting. Um, Trey, do you think Trey Young would have been the scoring champion? I know that for a year or two, he would have had it. I think it was probably Jason Tatum last year, if memory serves me right. But this is Jack, this is really bad for my Trey Young, my anti Trey Young agenda, which is it's going strong on Twitter and on social. <laughs> I I'm notoriously not a Trey Young fan. Hmm. That wouldn't be good for my argument, but it wouldn't change my mind. I I I, I do I, he you're right, man. He gets out there and he plays, he plays hurt, he's tough. He, again, like a guy that's barely bigger than me, but my God, man, he's not playing winning basketball. I don't care how many scoring titles he has. 
which brings us straight on to coach of the year because my coach of the year pick at a whopping 28 to 1 or 2800 uh, plus 2800 is Quinn Snyder. Uh, Frank, Frank, I'm going completely against your agenda. I think that this year, Trey Young could be unlocked in that Quinn Snyder system. We've seen him get the best out of two ball dominant guards or sort of like uh, ball handling heavy guards in Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I, I actually loved what I saw during the playing game last year. I thought that he gave the ball up quite a bit quicker, read the defenses. And I think now with a guy like DeJounte Murray next to him, with a younger core coming through, without those two big lineups where the spacing was a little bit compromised and with a modern coach, uh, I think that the Hawks are due to have a really, really good year next year. I, I'm actually going to back them to be a uh, home court advantage team in the East. I think that they've had some of the least turmoil that they've had in the last couple of years. Everyone should be happy. Quinn's had a full off season. And like I said, they've got young players coming through. That's why I've got Quinn Snyder as my coach of the year pick. And like I said, 28 to one, why wouldn't I'm putting a pound on that at least or a dollar, whatever you want to call it. I I think that's a good shout. Who did you have for coach of the year, Frank? I know that you're going to disrespect my coach of the year take considering the trade. No, no, I I think those are good odds. I think those are fair odds. I'm putting a pound on that too. Why not? It seems attractive. Um, Before I give my pick, I want to give my quick spiel on coach of the year. I think people should never forget how stupid this award is. And again, how confusing and meaningless it seems to be. Never forget Dwayne Casey won this award and got fired. Yeah. If you can win coach of the year and get fired as your, as coach, then what's it really mean, man? Like this, this award confuses me to no end. It's like, is it most improved coach? Because if it's actually coach of the year, there's one coach that's better than the rest, man. It's Eric Spolstra. Yes. You know, the, a long time, a long time ago, he's at, he's just excellent, man. I thought we all agreed on this in the playoffs. When, when Spo did his thing again, everyone was like, man, we got to stop saying anyone's better than Spo. He's the best coach in the league. And of course, you know, Mike Malone and the Nuggets win. That's cool and all, but no one thinks Mike Malone is the best coach. He's up there. I'm sure he's up there on like odds right now. I don't know how you win this award if you're already coming in with title expectations. So it's like, is it most improved coach? I just don't understand it. But I just want to take Spo, man, because I think they're going to be disrespected in the East again. I I haven't looked at um, the conference odds, but I, I really doubt that people are putting them ahead of probably even Philly. Um yep. Uh, probably Milwaukee, like they're going to get disrespected and you know, they're going to come through, man. Like it just seems like the most logical bet. I his odds might be good and they might be not, but I'm taking Spo. I think he's the favorite at plus seven fifty, but even so that is good money. Like you said, the PR machine behind Eric Spolstra was in full flow and for very good reason after one of the most improbable finals runs we've ever seen in NBA history completely respectable my favorite coaching moment of last year from eric spolstra was uh inverting the pick and roll against the bucks i think he had bam handle the ball and jimmy scream for him and that meant that brooke lopez was as far away from the basket as he'd ever been that season just an absolute mad scientist and uh be amazing to see what he does with a primary ball handler in the vein of damian lillard like They've run some really creative offense based around handoffs, based around movement. 
give him a guy that can just run 25 so that you pick and rolls a game, watch him cook. Uh, they could be a really, really fun watch this year. Uh, I love that pick. My other one was, uh, I think JB Bickerstaff could be in with a chance uh, purely because I actually think the Cavs are going to be the one seed in the East this year. Like you said, who knows what coach of the year really is. I think it's more of a, is it defying expectations award, which is why, like you said, you never yeah, see that. I guess so. So it's like, I, I forget how did you say the new coach of the Thunder's name, uh, Mark. Dagnall? Uh, yeah. Whenever you, you know, want to say his surname, just point and I'll, I'll, I'll come in with Dagnall. All right. All right. Perfect. You know, <laughs> if that's the way we're doing it and it's just defy expectations, then I think he's got a good chance. You know, I think it aligns very well with my Shea Dark Horse MVP pick. But look, is he really, is that a product of Shea being great or is that the product of, of the coach being great? You know, I, it's called coach of the year. I think it should be about the coach and the schemes and, you know, the brilliance you just mentioned about the inverted pick and roll. It should be about these things, but it doesn't really seem like it is. Um, you know, I, I believe it goes deeper with the Spo pick too. And this should go for all coaches. I, I can't pretend like I have extended knowledge of everything that's going on and all these different training camps and, you know, what, what the team's doing on their off days. The heat culture thing gets thrown around a lot and people look at it like a joke, but it's not a joke, man. It's real. It's, not, it's a real thing. These guys it's are in top shape. They cannot have a certain level of body fat. They really, really put that work in. Duncan Robinson has done several interviews where he talks about, hey, you know, like we have everything scheduled. We have team yoga. We have team plyometrics. We have team um, – uh, what's the other thing you can have there? I'm, I'm missing some of these physical training labels right now, but they do it all is the point, and they really, really care about the exact nuances of the science behind being an athlete. I, I think Spo's a driving force for that. Yeah, absolutely. Sort of – you couldn't have come up with a better spiritual successor to Pat Riley. I think you, he's got him waiting up in the wings, obviously picked Spo all those years ago, merely a video coordinator. I think back in like 2007 when he got the job, maybe 2008. He, but, you know, he uh, was the coach. Um, he joined at the same time, uh, the big three for him. So oh, really? so 20, 20, oh he, he was a rookie coach at that point. Remember everyone wanted him fired. I I was I was ten years old back then. I was not tuning in to the NBA, but uh, I'll give, a, I'll give that, a quick rewind. The big three yeah. forms. Yeah. Spo is this rookie coach, and they don't start well. They start they start like five hundred. They're losing some of these games, and everyone's like, "Oh, must be Eric Spolstra's fault." Like that, <laughs> it cannot be LeBron and Wade and Bosch. Like no way. So it was like a huge media push to have Eric Spolstra fired. Like. 20 games into his career. And I'm pretty sure I'm right that he was a rookie coach, but you know, Pat Riley held tough. He held it out as a, no, that's my guy. And of course, you know, history was made. There is an alternate timeline somewhere where Eric Spolstra was fired and he looks at the TV every now and then going, that should have been me. That should have been me while well, he's coaching his son's high school team. But I'm Precisely. glad that we're in this one. He absolutely <laughs> deserves it. Um, if memory serves me right, we've got one more award to go before we get out of here. It's actually one of my favourite awards. At least it's straightforward in its definition. I think you know what you're voting for when you're voting for sixth man of the year. <laughs> kind of a little bit of a pointless award because it's uh who's the best non-starter who's the best guy that 
can't actually start for his team. Um, but I love it anyway. And and I love it this year because it gives me a chance to talk about one of the guys that I think is going to have an absolute breakout year, having made his playoff debut last year, having torn up the Warriors in the first round uh, in the Western Conference playoffs. I've got Malik Monk uh, plus 1500 and uh, he's one of my favorite players in the league. A brilliant shot creator for himself can space on the ball, can space off the ball, take a guy off the dribble, a really underrated playmaker and plays with a ton of pace as well. The vibes were immaculate on Sacramento last year. And I think having watched that playoff run, uh, playoff run, playoff round, let's say it felt like a playoff run in the context of the Kings. Uh, I'd almost argue that Malik Monk should be starting. I think they look at their most dangerous when they have that two headed snake of both Monk and Fox that can attack off the dribble but he's easily by far and away my sixth man of the year pick. Uh, I can't wait to watch him play again. And I think that if you're a rival GM and he's not happy coming off the bench, you should be coming in for Malik Monk because he could do a job for a lot of teams across the league. So there we go. That is my final cast of award winners. Frank, who are you rounding us out with? Well, I want to start by talking about Malik Monk for a little bit. I love Malik Monk. I love that pick. I was eyeing that up too. I, I really hope Feel he wins free. that. He's a, he, he's a, a fun, fun player to watch play basketball, man. He's explosive. He plays with passion. Um, he's got that microwave feel that so many of these six men in the past yeah. feel like they've had, like a lot of Jamal Crawford in there, a lot of mm-hmm. Lou Will. I can see it, man. It, it, it feels right. Um, and people are probably going to leave this podcast saying like, man, what the hell's wrong with Frank? Like, he's got a bone to pick with every single award. Like, well, can't you just enjoy the awards, Frank? They're awards. They're not that serious. But I do have a bone to pick. I do have a bone to pick, though. Like, Go for it. What is the threshold? How many games can you start? Yeah. I don't think that's an obvious thing that we should know. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'll... I'm going to write a letter with you to Adam Silver. I'm going to find his email address. And we're just going to say, for most of these, you've said you want two sentences, right? This would be like a digit. I just a need number. a digit. Yeah. yeah. Two digits. Nice. I, I assume enough. it's a double digit number. You'd think. You'd think. I think, yeah, Emmanuel quickly. Uh, it, it became even more nuanced last year because he played out of his skin when he started for the Knicks, when they had injury troubles, and then when he was the actual sixth man coming off the bench, the numbers looked a little bit more down to earth, a little bit more normal. Uh, so a whole can of worms to be opened up with. But I'm with you. We should start this agenda of clearing up what the awards actually mean and what you should be voting for. That is a great transition. I don't know how they're going to vote on this, but I want a manual quickly. And he should be starting games. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you're going to start just being on the bench okay. to say like, Hey, I'm trying to go for this fourth. That's silly. It's dumb. He probably should be the starter, but I, I assume he's going to be coming off the bench again. And he's got so many of the same qualities as monk. Um, I think he really, really made a leap towards the end of last season. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's more fun to, to vote for these guys that are in the big markets. I think there's just, they have a built-in advantage. It sucks to say that, but it's it's pretty true. 
There's more media. There's more of an incentive for those teams to be good. If it's going to come down to, you know, Monk and Sacramento and quickly at the end of the season, I think there might be a little bit of advantage there for quickly. So give me him. But I, I really like both those picks. Yeah, uh, I think both University of Kentucky alumni uh, play for John Calipari. That man can't coach college basketball to a massively high standard anymore, but he is the best spotter of guard talent that the NBA has, uh, has picked out Shea Gilgis-Alexander, De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, Devin Booker, D'Angelo Russell, Emmanuel Quickly, uh, Kaysen Wallace from this year, just... He has the eye of all eyes for it. Sonny Vaccaro from Air of the Modern Day, again, even if he lets his teams down during the March Madness tournament. Um, any closing thoughts, Frank? I think that you've got the rants out of your system. This must have been quite a cathartic podcast, right? <laughs> Very much so. Um, two things. Number one, shout out to Pittsburgh, man. Calipari, uh, that's a Pittsburgh guy. That's where I'm recording from right now. He's from Moon. Shout out to Cal. Um, shout out to Pittsburgh. And I was wrong about Spolstra. I had to check myself here. You were right. 2008, he was coach. But it was like the Heat were very irrelevant kind of during yeah. that time. Um, Dwayne Wade was hurt in a lot of those years. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think they were talked about very much. Maybe I'm getting old here. I'm forgetting things. But... I think he had his one-year Michael Jordan impersonation where he got really close. But they were never a true contender in the East. So absolutely right. He was... Foisted into was, was very much like an unproven coach. So yeah. that that was kind of the scenario, and people were like, "Man, I don't know. Have we had it with this guy? So mm-hmm. is he built to coach? Can he handle the egos?" Anyway, just wanted to correct myself there. Um, but no, man, no other closing thoughts. Um, hopefully, I hit a few of these, and we get a letter back from Adam Silver, and I can come back on and you know take a victory lap. Absolutely. Guys, that was Frank's third podcast of the day, if you'll believe it. For him, it is five o'clock over there. For me, it's 10 p.m. and it's only my first. Uh, Respect the hustle, man. Thank you so much for coming on. I've had a blast recording. And like you said, we're both writing to Adam Silver and we're both going to review these picks at the end of the year. And I'll probably take the podcast episode down. All right. Just, uh, Just send the tweet. And it's fine. I can get rid of it. This never happened. But if we're right, we're right. And we're going to look really good. And we're going to post about it all season long. Uh, Frank, so much for co- thank you so much for coming on. Where can the people find you, uh, aside from on your massive, massive YouTube channel? I still can't believe that you're actually on this podcast. Yeah, YouTube is Frank Michael Smith. Um, that's actually where you can find me everywhere except for Twitter, X. Not enough characters. I had to go by Frank Mike Smith on there. So that's it, man. Government name. Not hiding. Nice. Fair enough. All right, guys. That is another episode of The Drop Step in the books. You can find all the links to Frank's socials down below. Go and check him out. He is one of the best content creators we have on a ton of platforms right now. Cross sports. I can just about manage basketball. This guy is talking about football in the morning, posting about baseball during the afternoon, and in the evening, he's talking hoops with me. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We're going to have another one coming out for you next week. It's only a couple of weeks until we're back into the NBA season, until we can stop talking about trade rumors and we can start talking about games. I'm really looking forward to it. But that is all for this episode of The Drop Step. Thank you so much for listening and tune in next time.